Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers, and this is Popcorn, where we tell you what is popping in the culture, and you won't see anything popping more, if you haven't seen it all yet, than WandaVision. And one of the stars of that, who is stirring up Emmy talk like crazy, is Tiana Paris, my guest today. So welcome, Tiana. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very sweet. Thank you. And now that the show has completed its episodes and now it's only awards talk, you know, we can actually talk about it. I know. I know. Isn't that a relief? It is. It is. And now I'm just like, I'm free. I feel like I can't ruin anything. Um, So it's, it's good. It's good. Monica's pretty badass. I can't wait for us to see more of her in her element and her superhero ways, you know. Well, we can, can't we? If we get ready for Captain Marvel 2, we can see her doing all that. I know. And we got an official title, The Marvels. And that is The Marvels. So there's going to be several Captain Marvels. Look at there you go. I cannot say that. I don't know what you are talking about. But you have Kamala Khan, who is Miss Marvel. You Mm -hmm. have Carol Danvers, who is Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. And I guess we'll see what Miss Monica Rambeau is um, when we get there. (laughs) Well, it's plural for a reason. The Marvels, you know, we're going to see a lot of this. And you, you know, Tiana, you are a Juilliard graduate who I remember seeing on stage at the New York Theater Workshop in Slave Play. You, you know, were there? I was there. Oh my gosh, how was it for you? And it was great. I mean, just to, to see that kind of thing happening and to see you, you know, move through a career where you've done movies for Spike Lee, like Chirac, you know, you've worked with Barry Jenkins and Beale Street Could Talk. You've done Dear White People. And now you're a superhero. We can say it. You know, I, amen. Let's say a, she, a whole superhero, a, a really a dream come true. And I, I, I dreamed it. And it's one of those things where you're like, dream big. It'll never happen, but dream big anyways, you know. And so for me to be living in this moment at this time and just such a huge like everything, like all the uh, projects you just mentioned and those creatives that I've gotten to work with. I just feel so, so blessed and just like wow, this is really an intentional and a beautiful career that I've been able to shape and um, have, you know, help around me to help uh, have a vision for just a a really beautiful opportunity and career. Did you ever imagine when you were studying and you were studying in school and then went to Juilliard that you would be in this position, part of the MCU? I mean, I dreamed it. Again, it's one of those things where you're like, will it ever happen? I remember when I was at Juilliard, um, Iron Man came out and I remember going across the street, uh, Lincoln Center, there was an AMC right there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to be a part of this. I have to. Um, And so, yeah, so I I definitely dreamed it and I, I imagined it for myself um, and so, yeah, to be living in the moment, it truly is something special. When did the call come in where they said to you after you're doing all of these things on stage, on television, on film, and they somebody calls you and says, hey, the MCU is calling? 
No, they were like, hey, put this audition on tape. <laughs> so that I did it. that part. Yeah, I, I, I put it on tape and I was so confused. I did not understand the material because what I imagined the MCU is like, you know, stuff blowing up, fighting. <laughs> and what I got was actually um, episode three of WandaVision where Geraldine is having a conversation with um, Wanda and the stork is like following the, them around. Right. It's this heightened other world that I wasn't familiar with and they gave no context. And so I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, y'all. This can't be right. Um, so that was where it started. And then a couple of weeks later, my agent, Shauna, was like, do you remember that Marvel um, thing? And I was like, no, because for me, a part of my process is letting it go. Like I said, it was a couple of weeks later. So once I put the audition into the world, for me, I have to mentally say, OK, I'm done with that. Whatever happens, happens. And so it came back around and they were like, yeah, you got the part. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's the part? I didn't know the character. I didn't know <laughs> what it was for any of it. And so they told me everything. And I, I lost my mind because this character, Monica Rambo, fans had actually been fan casting me as her like five years or more prior to me actually landing the role. So I had heard yeah. about her because they were, when I was back, when I was on Twitter, they were tweeting me like, you would be an awesome Monica. And so I went and I looked her up because I wanted to be a superhero, but I was like, yeah, that'll probably never, never happen, but thank you. And so they put it in the universe just as much as I did. Well, can you tell the poor people that are out there and still don't know, they still have no clue because they haven't watched WandaVision yet, but judging by the ratings and what people are talking about, I can't imagine anybody out there hasn't. But who is this Monica Rambo slash Geraldine, who we first meet in this series as part of a kind of 1950s, 60s sitcom character? Right. Yeah. So Monica Rambo, you actually, if you are a Marvel fan and have seen the films, you would have met her in Captain Marvel. She is the young girl who is daughter to Maria. So Carol is like an auntie figure to her in that film. We catch up with her in WandaVision years later. We learn what she's been doing all this time. We find out that she is an astronaut. She is a part of S.W.O.R.D., a organization that her mother helped get off the ground and create. And throughout this journey, you realize that she's a huge advocate for Wanda, realizing that Wanda is really trying to navigate her own grief. And Monica, as well, is dealing with her own grief. You find out she lost her mother. So there's this connection between the two of them uh, that forges ahead. And that's who Monica is in WandaVision. It is a show that despite the laughs and the adventure and the thrills that are in it, it's about uh, Wanda yes. dealing with grief over losing vision. And in your case, Monica has been in the blip, you know, like we've all been in a in our own blip in the pandemic yeah. and her mother dies and she doesn't know it. She's not there for it. So underneath all of this is this subtext, basically, of people suffering of something. You know, it's very dramatic. It is. And it, it was it's such an interesting the way it ha people have taken to it. I, I do think, you know, it 
it hit the zeitgeist in that way because we all were dealing with our own processing of grief and losing family members and losing the life that we had been accustomed to and socializing and interacting. And the fact that it is a show about grief, but people took so well to it, you know what I mean? And they really stuck it out with us and took the journey to, uh, you know, and that the fact that it was once a week, we're not used to that anymore at all. And so it really became a collective and communal experience of dealing all of us individually dealing with our own issues, traumas, grief as well as watching Wanda process her own. When you are talking to Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, the Catherine Hahn, these wonderful actors that you're with doing it, do you, can you sit around and have these discussions about how to play it and how to work together to do it? No, we didn't really talk about like how to do it with each other so much as like prior to beginning, we had what we call, uh, Matt called a uh, sitcom boot camp. And so we all gathered around a table, read the scripts, and then watched and talked about the reference points for each one. And so I think that gave us all a common foundation to begin. And mm -hmm. then there were times where, okay, we still, we have this common ground, but I did look over to Lizzie and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel ridiculous. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> and, and you really just had to trust your partner, trust Matt, his vision, and trust the work and the words that Jack Schaefer had given to us, that gift. So it, there were moments of major self-doubt and just feeling like we were doing too much or I was doing too much because it's stylized. But you also, I, we also wanted it to be grounded in truth and not a a mockery of a thing or, uh, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it, it, it took a lot of trust and research and um, yeah. What was the toughest scene for you to do? The stork where Geraldine bursts in and tells her about her new job and she needs a bucket because all of the water is coming down because Wanda's water broke up. Geraldine doesn't know that. So there was just so much going on. I, again, I'm new to this world. So there was a lady in a green onesie unitard, her face covered, walking around with a stork bill thing there's lizzie with 18 different um jacket changes because her jacket starts changing so just trying to focus on the task at hand the relationship between wanda and geraldine there were just so many other elements that make this great that were very i was very intrigued by and so i got a bit distracted um, so that, i would say that was probably Technically, the most difficult, there were some that were difficult because it was 150 degrees outside. That's once we moved to L.A. That's another kind of. Um, L.A. was hotter than Atlanta. Wow. It was freezing in Atlanta, like ice on the ground cold. And then we got to L.A. The sky was red. It was the fires. Yes. The the LA fires oh, yeah. were raging and so there was smoke, the the air quality wasn't good, and you have 
it was a lot. So they were, you know, trying to juggle. We need to go inside. We need to be outside because of COVID. It was just a lot. <laughs> um, so that was difficult in a in another way. Did you feel also that while you're doing this <clears throat> for the MCU, that you're representing as a black woman in this world of the MCU? Did did you feel a responsibility for that? Oh, absolutely. When when I when they told me I had the role, like I know because I am a fan of the MCU, um, having watched the movies and stuff, I know what it means to and and just in general, the culture in general, um, to have a black body in this sort of um, space, and then to have a black female. Uh, be able to carry this journey and this story. I know how important that is and how um, I'm just really honored. And I carry that with me for sure. There, I, I know what my task is and what I, you know, the, the image, it is very much the, the visuals, the images I longed for as a young girl. So I, I, I hold it to the utmost esteem and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Well, you know, You've done that before, and uh, on Mad Men, mm. when you are Don Draper's secretary, when you're Don, Don, yeah, secretary who becomes basically the office manager on that show. She Talk does. about representation at a time set way back. I don't know what's drawing you back to the fifties and sixties. You know, there's something about it, right? I, I, yeah, with Dawn, she was the first African-American to integrate Sterling Cooper Draper, whatever it was at the time she came in, um, but to integrate that office space. And I knew that was special. I was so young in my career that it was more outside of me, I would say. Where I am today, I feel like I can own it and speak about it and understand truly what it means to have that responsibility and to be the image of what that means in this cinematic space. Well, right, but it's it continues in your career. You know, we talked a little bit about you working with Spike Lee in mm -hmm. Chirac, which is not only is it a thing that responds to the way the world is now and the violence and the gun violence in it and the women led by the Estrada, who is your character, basically saying, I'm going on a sex strike and so are all my friends. They're going to do this until you stop doing this stuff. But it's in rhyme. That was really interesting. Um, I actually did that play at Juilliard in school, we did it. Um, and I was one of the women. And so I actually had some experience with the text in its classic form. So when I realized that, oh, Spike is reimagining this story, this very classic story, I, I was really excited because it did feel like an opportunity to work with Spike Lee yeah. on my <laughs> wish list and to also bridge my classical training with pop culture and do that under the leadership of Spike. It was just so many things coming together at once. But um, you kind of said it quite a bit um, today. A lot of the projects I'm drawn to are projects that have something to say socially, something to say about the times that we're in. And um, I love that, that sort of material, material that moves people, even if it's because they're bothered or they don't like it. Um, but it moves, ultimately, I, I, I pray that my work moves people to action, moves people 
um, their understanding of having a black woman in your space, in your home or going to see her in the movies like that matters because there are people who never get those opportunities to interact with people who are not of their culture or of their um, race. So, yeah, I, I do like that sort of uh, material. This is the first time you've been on uh, this show, Tiana. So you don't probably know that we end with just a little snippet of song, you know? And I don't know what the songs are that are going on in your head right this minute. Like, you're gonna play it. No, I'm not gonna play anything. Oh. I'm wondering what song and what music is in your head now that you can leave us with. Oh. <laughs> music. I'm not playing anything. Um, okay. Does it have to be from a certain time or genre? No, not at all. It just has to okay. be in whatever's going on in your head, which might be very Byzantine. I don't know what the what your thoughts are doing in there. Okay. I let I, okay. It's hard for me to pull melodies out of thin air, first of all. Well, that's why we uh, do it. <laughs> let's go with the uh, Sade. Very classic. I okay. love all of her music. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. It's not about my mood right now, but I love this song. Okay. Is it a crime that I still love you? And I want you to love me too. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but what a nice sentiment that is. <laughs> it's nice. Oh gosh. We're going out with look, look at this. I've thrown a Juilliard graduate just oh. by the little bit of song in it. But we, oh, yes. I thank you. We all thank you. We can't wait to see what happens next in thank your you. many chapters, not just mine. Thank Monica. you so much. So, I appreciate you, Peter. You.